0: Grace and peace to you through Jesus Christ our Lord. The story of the prodigal son is familiar to most of us. In the prodigal son we know the son runs away from home, he forsakes his father, he brings shame on the family, he squanders his inheritance until he's hit such rock bottom that there's nothing left for him to do but return. And he returns then to his father, thinking he might become a servant. And rather than his father wanting him to take that role and work his way back, he instead grants him nothing but love, embraces him, and brings him in to honor him, put sandals on his feet. We know the story of the prodigal son, but have you ever heard the story of the disgruntled brother? because you might not know there's another part to that parable Jesus tells, the story of the disgruntled brother, the second one, the second of the two sons who stayed, who worked, who never left his father's home. And so there's this older brother that has been there the whole time, loyal to his father, and when he sees how his father just welcomes this son back after everything he's done, he gets upset. Why has my father not honored me in such a way? There's a book written by Tim Keller called The Prodigal Prophet and it's about Jonah. And in Jonah you see both elements in one figure. You have the prodigal son who goes away runs away from the Lord's presence, wastes all of God's work and grace and instruction to end up in the belly of a fish, only to be welcomed back by the Lord. And that you also have in Jonah, the disgruntled brother in the end, who when God ends up doing the same thing he does for Jonah to the city of Nineveh, Jonah, wants nothing to do with it. He's disgruntled and he's disjointed. The whole story is disjointed and it ends with a question mark. It's so disjointed because Jonah keeps trying to fit God back into Jonah's outcomes. That's why it's so jagged. Because throughout, from beginning to end, Jonah is trying to fit God's work into his planned outcomes. The way he wants it to go. And when he finds in the end that God is not going to fit himself into Jonah's outcomes, Jonah has nothing left but just to die. It's gotten so bad. In fact, it's not the first time. There's three different times Jonah tries to die in this. He throws, has himself thrown into the water. Then he wants to die after he sees what happened to the city, and then when the plant is gone and he's burning in the sun, he wants to die again. But he's in such turmoil with God that he just can't handle it. He can't handle how unpredictable God's ways can be sometimes when God's dealing with unpredictable people. Why are you angry? That's the key question. Why are you angry? Are we angry? There is a time-honored biblical practice of quarreling with God. When you look throughout the scriptures time and time again, and this is in sour figures like Cain, but also in redemptive figures like Moses and David, people quarreling with God, trying to figure it all out, trying to figure out why God doesn't fit into their plans and outcomes. God says to Cain, the first children in the Bible, two sons, by the way, why has your countenance fallen? Why did Cain get disgruntled with God? Well, the basic thing behind it all is that our measure for justice does not, is not satisfied by God's measures for justice. What we imagine justice to be turns out to be not the way that God handles justice. With Cain, Cain wants justice because his offering should have pleased God. He came to church, he put the money in the plate, he said his prayers, and God should be happy with him. But God's not. Jonah wants to be justified because he's done the same thing. He's gone to Nineveh, as God said. He preached the word. He did his job as a pastor. Why would God not make good on what he said he was going to do? So both Cain and Jonah obeyed. Cain obeyed and offered the sacrifice. Jonah obeyed and went to Nineveh. But both were wrong. Neither of them had the true obedience. Both of them... It was just an outward show. Jonah was so displeased and twisted that he wanted to die rather than to deal with a God that was bigger than him and out of his control. But God did not allow Jonah to die. He saved him from the fish. He had work for him to do and whether Jonah liked it or not, he needed to go preach. And that word was effective. The word was so effective to that city that it changed the whole economy and society as they came down into repentance. They prayed to the Lord in sackcloth and ashes, and God did relent. He relented from the disaster he said he was going to do. Jonah's measure of justice was not satisfied. But this was not making him angry because he didn't know God well enough. In fact, what makes him angry is he knew God too well. He knew what kind of God the Lord was. And he, there's a quotation that matches the book of Joel. In fact, several passages going all the way back to Exodus, where he says, I knew that you are a gracious God, And merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, and relenting from disaster. Jonah knows God too well. He knew his catechism, and the problem wasn't in his head. In his head, he could recite everything who God was, what the Apostles' Creed said about Jesus. But in the heart, things were different. In the heart, he was worshiping a different God, a God that would fit his outcomes and plans for what sorts of things a God should do. A God should honor the religious and the pious, like Jonah. A God should punish the wicked and the evil, like Nineveh. And when God does things in a different way, and people react in a different way, and the outcome changes, Jonah retreats. He retreats to a shade tree to watch the outcome. This is the unpredictable plant. The shade was a place where Jonah could go to finally get what he wanted. Rest, comfort, service. That plant was there to serve him, and it was the type of thing a religious man deserved. To have that plant there so he didn't have to suffer. But God says, aren't people worth more than flowers? That unpredictable plant died because God sent a worm to eat it. And there it was gone and Jonah was left in the burning heat and the hot eastern wind. It was the hot anger of the Lord that was burning against him. Jonah is quarreling with the Lord. Why should the plant listen to Jonah? When circumstances shift in our lives and God becomes unpredictable in the shade that we thought was supposed to be there to keep us comfortable, is taken away and things become so uncomfortable, it becomes very difficult to listen to the Lord. It makes us upset and uncomfortable. But will we care more for plants than for people? It's like an environmentalist who votes for climate reform, and then turns around and votes for abortion in the same turn. We could do all we want to care about this thing or that thing, to have pity on whatever we want, but if we don't care about people, God says it's meaningless. About people and lives and eternity, should God not have mercy? You pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons? No matter what the preaching of the word does, it all belongs to God. It's his labor to make it grow up. It's his labor. Choice to tear it down. It's his work to renew and plant something new. So Jonah ends with a question mark, which is where all of our lives really end. A question mark. All wisdom ends with a question mark to get you going home today wondering and thinking why is God doing what he's doing? Why is he not fitting into the ways that I would do this? Why is God having us go through all this? And what does God want to accomplish in the end? And it doesn't matter how evil a person has treated you. It doesn't matter how evil they have been to the Lord. The Lord continues to say that he is not willing that anyone should perish in hell but that they should come to repentance. Whatever disaster, however great it might be, that God brings on an individual or a nation, it's always for the purpose of repentance. Of bringing them to their knees and bringing us to our knees in sackcloth and ashes so we can simply say, let everyone turn from his evil way. Who knows? God may turn and relent from his fierce anger so that we would not perish. The answer to the question mark is ultimately really given to us. When Jesus comes, when he's born into this world, when he suffers on the cross for us, we look at a God who loves us who is gracious and merciful and steadfast in his care for us, relenting from doing disaster. And if anybody should be asking any questions, it's God's son on the cross saying, why have you done this? But Jesus is not angry with God. He's not quarreling about God's choices. He knows that God has to do things backwards so that he can rescue people like us. He has to save sinners with the most greatest destruction that could ever come because Jesus is the only one who could survive it and come back on the third day to preach good news to us. Yes, there's a story of a disgruntled older brother. And what does the father say to that older brother? He says to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. God's goal is to plant something new, to cause new buds to blossom, to have new fruit that is plucked, to have new life in that repentance restored, For Jonah, for Nineveh, for us. So repent, therefore, and call upon the name of your merciful Lord. Amen.